So my my wife gets an Airbnb. I don't look it up on the map, but I see that it's pretty close to the house that everyone else is staying at. So I was like, okay, great. So I get chains and everything. We're driving up there. It's not really that snowy. It's like five o'clock. But when we get into Lake Arrowhead, it's very snowy and there's like ice everywhere. But I've never driven the snow before. So I'm like, okay, we'll you, just oh, try to go up. You've never driven the snow before? That's fantastic. No. That's good. I've, I've only been in weather that's been super cold, but I, like I'd fly somewhere. So, you know, I'm in New York or different things like that. We're taking public transportation, we're getting a cap, but I've never, my own car. And, and I've never really been in this conditions ever where it's like just a full on snow blast. So we see what, and it's also one of those uh, mountain roads that's like not on like the map. Like <laughs> what he's telling us, he's, he even says like, don't trust ways. Like don't trust Google maps. And I'm wearing like my, my regular shoes. Cause I hadn't put on my snow boots yet. I'm like not prepared. Yeah. I'm wearing like a, like a t-shirt and uh, you know, cause I'm coming from like 75 degrees and I've been driving for an hour and a half and then suddenly I'm in Hoth. And uh, like, cut open the top, cut across. <laughs> so then, so then Michelle's like, I'm going to be with the kids. Like, you go figure out how to put snow, <clears throat> the, the chains on. And I was like, well, I watched my YouTube video. But now I'm like, you know, <laughs> kind of shaking all by myself in this parking lot. Like, nobody's coming to help me now. <laughs> and I just literally put my cell phone on the ground, like, with a YouTube video. And I'm just lying, you know, on the ground and like just ice trying to put these fucking t- chains on. And uh, I did it. We ended up staying at this lodge. We found like the last room in town. And the guy was like, you know, this, this like mountain dude who like is like, you know, snow plowing this road. And he was like, I got this truck, four wheel drive. And I tried to get up that road twice, like last night and this morning, and I couldn't do it. So that made me feel a little bit better because I was like, oh, that guy's like, you know, the guy's like big and scary. So if he can't do it, then, you know, <laughs> how could I do it? What kind of car you got? It was a Honda Odyssey, two wheel drive. So it's like a minivan. So and it was just filled with crap. So it was really heavy. I don't know if that was good or bad, but that's bad. Um, yeah, it's, not it's good. bad. <laughs> and driving home, like the, yesterday morning, we're leaving, and the and the guy at the restaurant was like, "If you can make it up this hill, you're gonna be okay." So I was like, "All right." And like now I have like snow mode in the car. And I'm like, "Okay, we can do this." And we're going up the hill and literally all like like two other cars have stopped and people are getting out of the car. They're like pushing these cars up the hill. And uh, and I'm like, I, you know what? I'd love to help these guys. But like, it's, it's the Hunger Games. So, right. now I'm just trying to, so I'm like, I'm driving past cars that are stalled on like that can't get up the hill. And these chains are working. And, you know, I passed three different huge tour buses that were just trapped. So the police were out and kind of helping the buses. But I guess they were all saying that they haven't had a, a snowstorm that bad since 1987. And yeah, I was just, I was in town for that. What were you? I yeah, we used to go up. Uh, uh, we used to go up to Big Bear every winter. I used to ski a lot up there or whatever. But we used to go up when we'd come back from college. That was my freshman year of college. When all friends and stuff would come back, we'd go up for like right after Christmas through New Year's and go spend it up up, up there. And yeah, it's great. I've, it's beautiful. Uh, I've, I've been up there. Yeah, it's great. It's nice. So Rob was the big mountain man. That was you. You were out there, the old, the old mountain prospector, and old. I remember Maria in old eight seven. She was a bear of a storm. Uh, That's magical. I, I watched a movie during my snow vacation, snow snowmageddon, yes. Seattle, 
Seattle had, uh, we've had 14 inches over the last week uh, of snow drop on us. So Friday, mm-hmm. snow in Seattle, is, it's always very kind of funny. Here's my snow story. People, they had a snowstorm when I first moved here. So I was like, what, 91? And where I remember old Letitia in 91. <laughs> she was a brick of a storm. It, it came in. It dumped a bunch of snow in a really short amount of time, and people just left their cars on the free, like I five in the middle. They just left and walked away, and they spent days yeah. after the snow was done, like towing people's cars. So in the cars, yeah. People now uh, hear snow and they just panic, and so we had plenty of warning. Hey, it's going to snow a fuck ton here on Friday, so just be you know be aware. And so Thursday, people lost their minds and went to the store and bought everything. It wasn't like a few. I, I went to, I think I told Joe, I stopped by Costco on the way home uh, from work on Friday to get my wife some strawberries. She wanted some strawberries. I'm, yeah, there's one two miles from my house. No big deal. And I go there and I'm, wow, there's, this place is busy. What the hell? It took me a while to find a parking. What the hell is going on? And then I get in and I see this a madhouse of people just loading up their carts. And here I am. I'm the asshole with the cart with strawberries and raspberries in his cart. I'm like, well, this is kind of dumb. I do like that this sets up the kind of um, post-Super Bowl non-football weekend. And there was football. We'll get to the AAF. And, and even though there was no football the week before the Super Bowl, this is kind of a, okay, the NFL season's over. What do we do with our lives? Joey goes mm-hmm. out to the mountain and has a great time in you know the snow and family time. Robbo watches a movie and spends time artistically. I gave my wife the Saturday, and we succumbed to the Marie Kondo. It, Sucked, but I had to. Nice. We bought tubs. The wife fold. She did the folding. Mm -hmm. She did it all, man. But everything got organized, and everything had a bin. And you know, now if I need the sliced cheese instead of the shredded cheese, I know, I know, I need to go to bin three (laughs) A. Has 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 the joy been sparked? Have you have you asked yourself about things if they spark joy to you, Joe? No. See, here's the problem: is I'm already a really organized guy in the first place, so I didn't have to do anything. This was just her cleaning up her shit and our yeah. daughter's stuff. Like yeah. my my side of the closet was already good. I do, I do my own laundry. I fold it. The socks were done, so my joy was already sparked. You know what? I sparked my joy when we went to the Mavericks game on Sunday. Nice. I filled my I filled my NFL hole with more Ooh. sports and Luca. That's what it. We got to see Luca. We got to say goodbye to Dirk. It was a good time. So my joy was sparked with more sports. I can't spark joy in the home. You can you can spark something else from old Jimmy up the hill. Yeah. When he, when he goes, <laughs> is, is, when he helps you back your Odyssey. It yes, custom. Do your, your guys need supplies? I remember being around for old Mario in six five. <laughs> <laughs> well, back to the Marie Kondo thing, real quick. The one thing I thought. Has really helped me, which I which I thought was really was cool. Is just the way that they talk about folding a shirt, making it into like a perfect circle, and then right. stacking them where it's not like a like a vertical stack, but it's a it's a horizontal mm-hmm. stack. And so it's almost like they're they're records, and you're thumbing through the shirts uh, from above rather than kind of digging through. So if you you know the normal way, if you wanted to get a shirt that wasn't on the top of the pile, all the other shirts on top would get all fucked up. Um. So right. all the football fans are just like just fiercely jacking off to this this part of the podcast. 
if there's if there's anything that NFL fans are into, it's how to fold your shirts. Exactly. Can we put can we put a totally. light saxophone on this section of the podcast, please? Everybody, light your candles. Can we, get, can we get Marie Kondo to be the Super Bowl halftime show next year? It'd be better than Rue Fine. Rue Five. Maybe this is our transition out of the NFL with the AAF. Was that the 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 AAF feels fun? I get it. It's it's not what you want out of the NFL, but there's this fun to it that the NFL has lost because the NFL has become so sterilized. And I don't know that anything represents that more than what we're dealing with as Rams fans coming out of this Super Bowl where the, the offense, we, we've had time to process this now. The offense was uh, horrible and ineffective. We got out coached. The offensive line got outplayed. Jared Goff played a horrible game. And Todd Gurley had maybe the biggest conspiracy theory game uh, of the franchise's history, it seems like that's the appropriate place to start. Um, it, w- what do you guys, now that we've had some time to process it and it's not as hot takeish, and maybe it's even hotter, what do you guys think about the Todd Gurley saga, man? Where are we headed with this? Is it over? No. Because no. it's still going, right? It's, it's still very yeah, much you, out You there. know what it is? It's on pause, and as soon as we get to training camp, they're hit and play again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do do they do they want to resign CJ Anderson so that they can continue to have Todd Gurley conspiracies, or do we just not resign CJ so that we can confirm to everyone that Todd Gurley is indeed our feature back? It's it's strange because we just signed him this huge contract. So if they're going to sell us this, oh well, now we're this this double threat in the backfield type of team. I think people are going to get pretty upset if they don't get a reason why this happened so fast. Have you have you guys been looking at his Instagram feed? I know you guys aren't huge Instagrammers. I, I Instagram, yeah. No, I've I've seen his stuff. I think he's he feels like a wounded animal right now. His social presence seems a little bit like he's, um, you know, like he's like he's like some animal that got hit by a car, but he's like hiding in the bushes and he's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. Everybody get away. I didn't in the bushes waiting to die. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, poor Todd. So for people who didn't see on his Instagram story, he first, he was in a private jet with uh, a large stack of cash and went with some of his friends, other NFL players. I think they were in the Bahamas, but uh, wherever they were, they were in the island paradise, got to get away with private jets and the money and the practically Amigos music video. It looked wonderful. I'm glad he had a good time. I, I, there were people saying, you know, do you have a problem with this? Hell no, I don't have a problem with it. The Super Bowl's over. Go enjoy your life. Why would anyone? Why would anybody care? He's give him five months. A really wealthy guy has, you know, he's been busting his ass for for ten months. Now he has has a chance to go do something cool with all that cash. If he earned. if he why? didn't do something like this, I'd be worried. I'd be I'd be right. What, what if what if he went to like you know Canton, no uh, like yeah. Billings, Montana. What if he went to a, a suite, <laughs> if he, he, he had a suite, he flew in and he watched an AAF game. Like, why? What the hell would you want? I mean, let the guy go like onto his own. He watched. Uh, he watched the Netflix documentary about um, Fire Festival. Fire Festival. Fire Fe- he he went and bought his own Bohemian Island and is like making his own fire festival. Todd, now that the uh, Super Bowl is over, where are you headed? I'm going to Boise, Idaho. Goodbye, folks. That that's when I'd be worried. Yeah, yeah go, that'd be weird. You do you, you do you, Todd. Go go get healthy. 
Um, interesting times there, but I'm glad he's having a good time, and we'll see. It's one of those controversies, conspiracies. I don't know that we'll ever get an answer for it. If anything, they're going to get asked about it at the Combine, probably, between uh, Les Snead, general manager, and Sean McVay, head coach, who will have uh, media time in Indianapolis in a couple weeks. That's a good point, and I cannot wait to hear Les Snead's answer, <laughs> because he is he is not a good public speaker, and he just tends to start... I say that he's not good. Well, he pulls out crazy shit. Remember, he like does. the surfing yeah. skiing thing. Yeah, and you don't get better by deleting deleting Samra. <laughs> he just he always yeah. comes out with something wacky. Let's let's call it, and he'll have uh, during that press conference. He'll he'll drop ten. Let's let's call it. Yeah, let's call it. He's, Todd Gurley he, was like, let's call it. <laughs> he has like Joe Biden itis. He just kind of yeah. constantly puts his foot in his mouth, but in a charming, likable way. Yeah, it's yeah. not that he's not good. He's got an alternative way of phrasing things i wouldn't call it water i'd call it a standard liquid solution <laughs> do, do you think uh do you think les sneed has a has like a like a like a box hidden in his house with just his homegrown marijuana or do you think he's a, a straight lace the kara like marie Kondo was weed in his rolling papers less less oh, seems yeah. like a more of a psychedelic guy he seems like a a mushroom <laughs> acid type guy like he like like oh, yeah. he he's got a little bit of a next level to remember he was the guy who said that Sean Mannion is somewhere on this earth. Um, <laughs> that's not a way that anybody refers to actual people, especially in a professional sense. So he's but he's, he's got a he's, point though, Joe. He's, he's well, not incorrect. Well, let's not place limitations on Sean Mannion. I think uh, he's oh. he's a creative guy. Um, Sean will be starting for the uh, the, the San Antonio. Oh. Commanders next year, or the Apollo, uh, the Apollos. He's he will be an AAF quarterback next year, right? I don't know. The thing, the thing I like is that you know more of the AAF teams than I. I still don't know any of the names. I can name, I can name all of them. I can name I'm all of them. I'm looking at spent, you. Can I'm name all of them. Twenty minutes. You ready? Lord. Here we go. I'm Lord. not looking up the Birmingham Iron, the Salt Lake <laughs> Stallions, the San Diego Fleet, the San Antonio <laughs> Commanders. The Memphis Express, the Atlanta Legends, and did that, how many? Did, how many have I gotten? That's six. You got one more. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, I got I got two more. Um, uh, the Air, the Arizona Hotshots. What? <laughs> Their colors are yellow, green, red, and orange, and they have a, oh like God, a firefighting thing. I know all the colors. Who's their head well. coach? Who's the Arizona Hotshots head coach? I've got it in front of me. It's it's not it's not Mike Mark because he's the San Diego Fleet head coach. Um, it's not it's not Lord. Spurrier, is it? Ricky Newhuzzle. Oh, nice, nice. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the other teams now. Um, Fleet Commander Stallions Apollos Express Iron the Apollos. Where are the Apollos? Orlando. Orlando. I don't know how y'all know that. I'm impressed. I'm impressed by people knowing so much about the AF. We got, we'll get to that in a sec. We're still on Super Bowl outcomes. Todd Gurley, we got some free agency. We got some NFL drafts. Maybe the most important decision, though, is whether whether the old man, OAW, if this was the last ride. Oh, God. no, it's definitely not. He deleted his Twitter. Uh, For people who didn't see, he deleted, deleted his Twitter account. Right after he I told, think, told Super I think, Bowl media that one dies. Everyone, everyone's gonna die. Everyone dies. It's like you know how Ben Roethlisberger 
constantly brings up this imagery of like, well, I'm going to have to hang up these old spurs. This cowboy is about to ride off in the sunset. I think old AW kind of has that vibe too. Where he's like, I'm going to hang up the old crawfish pot. Like this old how would, boy. How would, how would Les Sneed say it? <laughs> well, at some point when you, when you are lacking sleep, and you begin to feel fatigued, some people choose to get their rest in a coffin over a mattress. That's just the nature of humankind. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? Exactly. He just constantly listen to Pink Floyd at all times. Yeah, man, I, I think if Old A.W. retires, um, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're not in good shape. And this, this O-line the interesting thing about when you think about what the problems of this team are in the offseason is the fact that there's so many different points of the season where you thought that you could you could remedy the problems of this team. You could be like, oh, okay, their secondary is trash. That's what we got to fix. Or oh, their linebackers can't rush the quarterback. That's what we got to fix. And then now here we are out of the postseason, and we're not really worried about the defensive struggles as much as we are thinking like, oh, shit, this offensive line is held together by a bunch of duct tape and Pretty rubber much. bands. And yeah, they definitely were a top offensive line, but I don't know if we could go into the next three seasons and think these are our guys. Like it's changing. It's it might not be next season, but it's definitely the season we, after that. Where guys like Don be. Sullivan and Andrew yep. Whitworth and even Roger Saffold is yep. not a young buck. We so could lose all three of them. We could lose all three. We could lose. Off. We could lose all three of them, and then basically, here's what we have coming back: is Austin Blythe. And Rob Havenstein, and then we have Joseph Noteboom, and the dude from Michigan. I mean, I think Brian if you're looking Allen. at these draft boards, Brian Allen, I think when you're looking at these draft boards, I mean, I'm just going to be like, okay, who who do we got from Iowa? Like, we just need mm-hmm. just a we need a bunch of just big dudes. And I'm not worried about getting big names this offseason. I don't I don't think any of these big huge free agents that people get all excited about. It's like, nope, like let everybody else waste their money on them. We just need a bunch of guys to block. Sure, sure. We said it. You're not going to drop, you're not gonna drop uh, a huge contract on uh, Trent Brown from the Patriots? Only 26? We'll see. I mean, the free agency is going to precede the draft, but to, to, yeah. jo- to Joey's point about prioritizing the draft, we said, I, I said it, I know, but other people did uh, among the staff when we wrote about the draft last year. They needed to prioritize it then. Honestly, they should have prioritized it before then. It, it really goes back to 2015. That was the Todd Gurley draft where that year the line was uh, decrepit. And the, the problem was you had four guys that needed to be replaced and Greg Robinson, which, which meant that your future offensive line was just not solidified. And that was only being held together by whether or not Greg Robinson was going to turn into a capable NFL starter. And because he didn't, you look at back at that line, and it was in dire straits. And the Rams went all in. It was it was probably not the best strategy to go as heavily as they did in that draft. Remember who they got? They got Jamon Brown, Rob Havenstein, Andrew Donnell, Cody Wickman. They spent they spent the uh, supplementary Oof. draft pick on Isaiah Battle. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they were desperate. And so the the the, the key is 
not necessarily what do you do when you're desperate. It's not to get into that desperate of a position. And that's why I thought it made all the sense in the world to take guys like Joe Noteboom and Brian Allen with our early picks last year is to make sure that when you get to that point that Joey's talking about, whether it's this year or two years from now, when you have to get a- away from Andrew Whitworth, Roger Saffold, and John Sullivan, and you've got Austin Blythe at right guard, that you've got some guys that you can go to and you're not saying, okay, now we're shit out of luck and we got to find four new offensive linemen in a single offseason. I think at least drafting those two guys last year and moving on from Daryl Williams and Cornelius Lucas, they're in a better position for the offensive line moving forward, but there's definitely still work to do. Yeah, because I think you could maybe subscribe to the idea that Joseph Noteboom was going to be a left tackle in a couple years, Maybe. or we could be under the thing of like, oh, well, you know, you put him somewhere else on the offensive line. He seems like a guy that's True. pretty malleable and he can move around a little bit. So then you're thinking like, okay, well, free agency could be an opportunity to get your replacement for Andrew Whitworth, because I just don't think it's something that we can kind of ignore and, and kind of just True. be like, oh, well, they'll figure it out. I mean, to me, I, 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 I'm switching my kind of concerns that I think they used to be in the basket of the linebackers. And if they could find a way to bring Dante Fowler Jr. back next season, I'm going to feel pretty okay if it's Fowler Jr. and Ebocom coming on, um, mm-hmm. on as outside linebacker. I mean, I know that's maybe not like the best you could do, but sure. I'd rather keep Pat with that and, and still even have – Littleton and possibly Mark Barron um, as our linebackers, if, if, if that's possible. I mean, shit, shit, shit could happen, you know? I think I think there's going to be a lot of changes, and that, that happens. And I think this front office is pretty capable in figuring that, that stuff out. I think the past couple seasons, the holes that we've had, they've addressed it to a, to a pretty good degree, but I think it's because we were all in. And sure. do you think – do you think that the – front office is still going to be that same mentality that they were last season, which is loaded up and make a dream team. That's or the question, is it just right? kind of, you know, put a bunch of band-aids yeah. on it. Hope for the best. Well, they still have Jared Goff on his rookie deal. I, I don't see why they don't, they, they will go away from what they did last year, this year to an extent. Sure. I think, I think you're going to get a, a good mix though. But I, as Joe mentioned, I mean, you can't, you can't just keep giving away picks after picks after picks. At some point, this shit's going to come due, and then you're really screwed, and you're up against the cap. And so, I yeah. I can't see them going in all in, all in, like trade away the first round pick for another Brandon Cooks, that kind of thing. Maybe, but right. at some point, they need to start making some of those higher picks priority because they need to replace some of these guys coming up. So, um, I I think you'll see them be aggressive via trade or free agent. Um, I can see them. You know, you mentioned uh, Baron. I think Brockers is a is a cap hit. Um, any of these guys, because you know, as much as we love Michael Brockers, and uh, I, I do like Michael Brockers a lot, you can get what he gives you from, you know, not ten million dollars a year, but probably like like two or three. I, I mean, you just need yourself a, a run stuff and tackle. Uh, what what did the Lions have to pay uh, Stacks? That kind of guy. I mean, you're not you're not. Run stepping D tackles aren't ten million dollar players. I'm sorry. It's so you can you can get more value out of that stuff, but they have some some cap space to play with this year. So I, I can see them being aggressive in spots, but uh, that you know, like you, we're gonna they're gonna have to know what Whitworth is doing. I think they'll find that out pretty quick. I mean, I think Whitworth doesn't want to screw the team over. He'll let them know before free agency starts. So 
going to take us two yeah, weeks, and they're going to know what they need to do. Um, they kind of where did, you know, where did he go? Todd Todd Gurley went to the islands. Where did Andrew Whitworth go to collect his head? Waffle House. I think I think he went to Orlando. Man, I think that guy's a Disney freak, and he took his family. Yeah. And they just did a bunch of Disney shit. Oh, because- we, we went to the Disney store in Ben Rouge, Mall of the Hills. That's all I need. Branson, Missouri. They don't go to. They don't go to. I've Orlando. been thinking, living on the islands. That Moana is a good movie now. Catching my adventurous spirit and just ride on the wind. <laughs> they be talking about coconuts in that movie. <laughs> I tell you what, that chicken need to get his act together. That's a that's a messed up, ignorant bud right now. He does not have a good nutritional system. That get, get your mind right, hey hey, get your mind right. <laughs> He's like Jared. That hey hey is just like Jared. No that shoes. Jared just like that hey hey. Oh, he always looking behind him. Don't know where he is. Now I tell you what, no that that Joseph Noteboom. That's just like that big old mouth. It just got a big old butt. Don't know what to do with it. You need to get your mind right before you get your butt right. That's what I always say. I think <laughs> I would really be happy if I discovered that Andrew Whitworth and Jared Goff went on some form of a vacation where they went out to a lake, sat on a boat, and just went fishing. And Jared Goff didn't say anything the entire time and just old A.W. imparted some wisdom on young Jared. <laughs> How, just bored, was... <laughs> how bored would Jared get on the on that boat? So uh we've been out here for like four minutes, like uh how how much more? He doesn't want to put bait on the hook kind of guy. Oh really? Yeah, yeah like put it through the world. He's like, you wow. know, when you said you were bass fishing, I thought I meant like you were gonna be like, dropping the base. And I don't feel like there's <laughs> Any base being dropped, and uh, kind of want my money back, bro. I th- I thought you said you were past fishing. Like this is like beyond, <laughs> like extreme fishing. <laughs> Tell me yeah. that you couldn't see him vacationing with Whitworth. Like like you said, they went to Orlando. So you got Melissa and Andrew like in the front seat of the the rented Honda Odyssey. You got a couple of the kids in the back, and you got like young Jared in the very very back. They're all wearing mouse ears with their name on it. I could see him fitting in right in with the Whitworths. The Whitworths and Jared, Storm Orlando. That would be Jared's fantastic. Disney movie. He's got he's got to be he might like Aladdin. I could see Jared Goff being an Aladdin guy. I think it's uh the <laughs> Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> <laughs> I I've never even seen I know what you're talking about. It's like a naked llama or something. Good. Yeah. What's his name uh with Chris Farley? What was his old name? Uh, Phil Hartman. Tommy Boy. No, uh, no, no. Uh, David Spade. David Spade David. was the guy that did the. I never seen it, so I don't. I don't even have a reference to use for that. How about Mulan? Because you can have some Eddie Murphy in there. His new groove. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Before before we get too deep in the draft, one thing I do want to circle. We got it on the run sheet. Is but when, when we talk about all this personnel change, I put up the piece from Sports Illustrated. I don't know if you guys saw it, where they had their NFL staff go through who's going to win the next five Super Bowls. And they, they had a lot of heat from the AFC for the New England Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs. The NFC side was really, really split between teams like the Saints and the Eagles, the Rams, other teams that they, that they saw could be in competition. 
but Seahawks. The Seahawks. But beyond even the personnel is just the idea of the idea that Sean McVay is this coach that you know, and obviously with everybody trying to hire the next Sean McVay across the NFL, everybody's high on McVay, and I, I think that's understandable. But the Super Bowl was maybe you go back the last two years, the biggest clunkers he's had were the wild card game against the Falcons and the Super Bowl game against the Patriots. He's he's failing upward, and there's reason still to be confident and excited about him. But did, did, did you guys lose any uh, excitement over the McVay era or or maybe have any doubt once we start transitioning away from this Super Bowl or bus team when we've got to get rid of Indomitian Sue and we've got to get rid of LaMarcus Joyner and the fact that we had Aaron Donald and Jared Goff on rookie deals, when that ends and we're going to have heavier constraints on the salary cap, it's going to be more incumbent on McVay to get the most out of the personnel he's got. Are you more worried about that now than you were maybe before the Super Bowl? He got 11 wins out of Jeff Fisher's team. Uh, I'm I'm good with Sean McVay. You do what you need to do, son. I, I'm I'm I have no problem with Sean McVay. I, I mean, if people are off jumping off the bandwagons, what what's he won? He won 24 regular season season games in two years, uh, right? With 13 and 11. Yeah, I'm I'm not. I don't see. I don't see anyone jumping off the Sean McVay, uh, you know, express. And if they do, they should be flogged publicly. Until he, until he shits the bed and he's just awful. Um, you got to roll with the guy. I mean, I've seen. We're talking. I've seen things where they're talking extensions for him, right? You know, where did I see that? You know, Sean McVay is going to get locked down an extension this year. So I saw that a couple places on, on on the old Twitter. Um, I I can't see. I cannot even fathom where someone would be like. Yeah, no, he might be overrated. Um, you know, he did have a clunker against the Falcons. Um, they, the, but you know what? More so than he had a clunker against the Falcons, Pharaoh Cooper had a had a clunker against the Falcons. Um, you know, they were they were in that game until Brockers. You know, Brockers. We mentioned him again in the second half. Uh, you know, when that happened, the, the game changed. I'm not putting that all solely on McVay. Yeah, they should have won. And, and we, should, we shouldn't forget the, the Dallas Cowboys yeah. and New Orleans Saints games from the playoffs mattered. They may not have mattered as much as the Super Bowl, but they mattered and they happened. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all. I have, I have no problem with what Sean. He can do whatever he wants. Everybody's going to the the grocery store for some Sean McVay before the snowpocalypse. Joey, has has Sean McVay ever seen a D- Disney movie? Do you think? <laughs> Yeah. Or yeah. has he has he never seen it, but somehow he knows more than anybody. Emperor's New Groove. Look, that's one of the that's one of the greatest. I got a lot of respect for what they did. Great production team. <laughs> awesome in pre-production. Just great job there. If he doesn't have all of the songs <laughs> memorized from Newsies, I'll buy everybody a cheeseburger. No, I the, you know, just from what Robbo was talking about with Sean McVay, I think the interesting thing is is how this all humanizes him. Because he had a little bit of an unfair expectation from casual fans looking at him like he was this sort of wonderkin that would never fail. And you could learn so much from failure. And you look at any of these coaches that are successful in the NFL, they don't have this record that is completely flawless. Bill Belichick was the coach of the Cleveland Browns. They weren't sure. winning Super Bowls. The, the guy had to deal with losing. He had to deal with adversity, and I think if we expect Sean McVay to just just march into the NFL at the tender age of 30 and just slay and destroy these teams, I think that's pretty much of an unfair expectation. And the fact that he got beat by the Atlanta Falcons, a good team, 
that was in the Super Bowl the previous year, I'm sure that that definitely gave him a lot of opportunities to get better as a coach. And going up against Bill Belichick and just being publicly outcoached and almost where you're the butt of the joke, where people are just going, man, you got beat, that that's something that you need to have a healthy bit of confidence to rebound from that. And I definitely think that Sean McVay has that, but it's a bitter pill to swallow, man. I mean, nobody wants to get sort of um, outgunned in such a public square. I mean, everybody saw that game that probably means anything to his life. So there's a little bit of a, you know, going back to Ohio with your tail tucked between your legs. Um, So his offseason, I think, is going to have a lot of sleepless nights. But I mean, the dude is, is meant for this. And that's what everybody, I think, agrees about Sean McVay is that he's an NFL coach. He's not He's not going to go anywhere else. That guy's going to be coaching in the NFL for a long time. And then maybe he'll have some tough times where he's an offensive or defense, you know, a defensive coordinator again. But I have a lot of faith in the, that guy as a coach. And I think that this Super Bowl loss is going to make him even better of a coach. That. He shook the age thing this year, right? Whereas we didn't hear about his age until the Super Bowl. Oh, he's young. But at just at, at some point this year, he shook the. You no, know, he's the youngest. Yeah. Da, da, da. He was a, the was bigger a thing than the age was never the age. It was the inexperience. I, I, the age thing was easy for like TV broadcast to hook on to because yeah. wow, look how young this guy is. The bigger thing was that he was just inexperienced. He had only coached for what eight years, seven years. That was the bigger issue. And I think, yeah, I mean, he's he's shaking that, no doubt, Rubble. Uh, speaking of you know shaking and, and uh, inexperience, et cetera, do you guys see? Have you had the have you had the intestinal fortitude to go back and and see any of the replay stuff or like the mic'd up segments? I've watched those. Yeah, like there's a, a 47, 47 minute mic'd up thing. But did you did you see the mic'd up with his where he went and met yeah. Bella, Bill Belichick yeah. before the game, like when the team's warming up, and he was just over the moon complimentary of him and Mike well, Belichick trying to back away and he's like still going and still going and he's like you know you're why this this and Belichick's like yeah no you're I was gonna teacher. say you say but he's over the moon up until that who's over was, the moon for who they were both over the moon for each other there was he was like Belichick was super complimentary yeah. back but it was he just McVeigh couldn't do enough to tell him like how much he admires the guy and was just like did he sound defeated to you at that point like not I shouldn't say defeated but and all this of what he was dealing with here, like, oh my well, God, I'm coaching against Belichick in the biggest game of I my think career. That, he should be. That's the thing. I think Sean McVay but, knows what he's doing. And and if you're coaching against Bill Belichick, you know you're going against the best. Here, but here's the yeah. thing about Bill Belichick is, and we talked about this in the preview podcast, Bill Belichick is always reinventing himself to make sure that he's capable of dealing with the current NFL. He's been coaching so long, you can't sure. coach your you know 2003 offense in this nfl and he knows that sean mcvell sean mcveigh might be the best of the new nfl and i think it's just it, it was a great moment and it may be one of those things that we look five eight years from now when bill belichick's done and recognize that yeah i, I you don't want to go too far but it was a bit of a passing of the torch right where, the, where this yeah. is the best yeah. of the last group to do it and this new young guy that now everybody in the nfl is trying to get a piece of and they're both they're they're both cognizant of it because they're good enough to know that each other is kind of one of the best, if not the best, certainly the best when you talk about Bill Belichick. But when you look at Sean McVay, maybe the best of the new breed. And I think they were both just, you know, realistic about that. And I think Joe, you hit on this because I think, you know, 
the what the best thing I you have to appreciate about Sean McVay outside of you know the X's and O's on the field is he is he is driven to to success. He is the guy is super competitive, hyper focused, yeah. and he. He he doesn't like to lose, which is a, a great thing. He I someone mentioned, and I'll ask you guys as follow follow up with that with that in mind. Is he is he so competitive and so hyper focused on on improving and winning? Blah blah blah. Will he be the next Vermeil where he burns out early because he started so young, or will he be a Belichick where he coaches for twenty years, thirty years? That's it's gonna be interesting to watch if, if he just goes if he's so driven and so hyper focused and. You know, tape, 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 and he just gives so much of himself. Will he, will he burn himself out early, like Vermeil did? Interesting. Well, something to pay depends attention on to. the results too, right? Like if we if we win a Super Bowl in the next yeah. couple of years, that's different than if we don't. Um, I don't know. I I would like to see like if they've ever had a conversation about Disney movies. That'd be that that would be a good duality. <laughs> Belichick and McVeigh. Well, yeah, yeah. I I tell you that that Lilo and Stitch. That's underrated. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> what what is Belichick's favorite Disney? Is it, it's got to be something like originals, like no, Snow he hasn't White seen nope. Jungle he hasn't seen any of them. He oh. has not seen, he hasn't seen any, any cartoons. His his favorite would be the like the original Mickey, the black and white. You ever seen the Apple Dumpling Gang? That's uh, <laughs> that's all you need to know. <laughs> we've had a little bit extra time to process that stuff, and now we got to turn to it. We go into the off season, and we've had. We're a month behind as fans, mm. as a team. You, the, people, somebody asked me, "Do you think that the Super Bowl has set Les Snead back?" Man, his his scouts have been at the Senior Bowl and doing the same shit every other team. The difference was as fans, we just weren't in mock draft and free agency mode when everybody else was in late December. Yay. So um, we're there now. Didn't put the mock until uh, February. You, you should That's be so grateful. I was gonna say, if anything. You, you should be grateful that it did that. But now we're there. We're into free agency. We're into the NFL draft. The, the combine's coming up. Uh, we've got free agency decisions to make. A lot of that will depend on whether once these guys get to decompress and they come back and make these decisions about, you know, whether or not they want to continue playing. When you talk about Andrew Whitworth and John Sullivan and uh, even to a degree, guys like Akeem Tlaib, he's got a year left on his contract. But deciding about, you know, is this my last go? Do, do, does he let the Rams know? You know, after this, I'm done. So you need to start making plans about uh, finding replacements and some of the other guys throughout the roster in those similar kind of situations. And then uh, guys like Roger Saffold and guys like, yeah, to a degree, and Dominicazula, Marcus Joyner, but more so all the other guys that are coming up on impending uh, free agency, uh, where they need to go. It's going to determine uh, the biggest problem that we faced. 17 years ago guys which was that we had this great team we had this era of success but we didn't transition out of it joey you talked about the offensive line the transition is the key now the transition is more important than anything we we might get andrew whitworth back for another year we'll get a keep to almost certainly back for another year brockers mark Barron. we've got aaron donald todd Gurley, jared goff brandon cooks you know cooper cup robert woods all locked up but the transition started last year, and it needs to kick into high gear now. You guys talked about the idea of, of what kind of offseason it was going to be and whether they were going to be as aggressive. They shouldn't be. We've gone through three seasons, starting with the Jared Goff trade in 2016, where we lost out on a second and third round pick. 2017, we lost out on the uh, first round pick. And then last year, we lost out on the first and second round pick. Those are guys that would be on the roster to give us two, three, and now four years into the future 
of certainty or at least certainty of having talent at those positions that we don't have now. When you talk about Sammy Watkins, traded a second round pick for him, it made sense at the time. The problem is now that's a guy that would have been giving us seasons in the future. We've got to start stacking up rookies, not because of 2019, but because 2020, 21, and 22 are coming. What, what are you guys most focused on when we go into this offseason, whether it's free agency, the draft, the transition, personnel, the culture? What, what are you guys interested in uh, when we go into February now that we got it going on in ours? Trade back. Mm. Trade back and gather some picks. Go from go from late first to mid second and get yourself a third or a fourth. Does it ma- just start stockpiling? Does it that. matter who is available? What happens if there's a guy? The the guy that I love that would fit this team would be Devin White from LSU. I haven't seen a single mock draft where he's anywhere close to us. But but would it matter to you, Robbo, if there's a guy that you say I want? If, if you're less need, I want to trade back. I know that makes sense, but this guy's perfect for us. I'm certain he's going to have an NFL career. Would that change your mind at all? Of course. If, if there's a guy who you're just you're you're locked in, like you know what, this guy is uh, going to make a difference in our team. He's he's a starter, that kind of thing. You're you're not you're not drafting at that point for for depth. Right. You need you're looking for a guy who's going to come in and play. Yep. If you got that guy and he's there for you, yeah, you pull the trigger. But if uh, if you're there and you're like, well, there's these three or six guys here, they're all kind of pretty similar, and we could go with any one. Trade back, like, and they've they've done that. Trade back and gather some extra picks and give you more give you more shots to find a guy who's gonna who's gonna be a a, a player down the road. Especially, you know, offensive linemen do not develop overnight. Sure. So use some of those mid late round picks on some OL who you you like and see what Aaron Cromer could do down the road. Um. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. If there's a guy you really want, you pull the trigger. But if there's a bunch of guys there and you're kind of you know, you're cool with all of them, and you, you know, slide back and, and and get those guys and still get yourself more picks. Yeah. What do you think? Joe? Interested in something? I think I'm interested in the team being surgical and making moves that, as we see how it evolves, it's 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 going to be a pretty smart move rather than them getting these big headline signings or. Sure. Um, you know, things like, yeah, I mean, it'd be exciting if they moved up in the draft because there's some player that could be a big starter, but I'm not, I'm not hoping for that. I mean, hoping that they're just going to do their homework and make some, make some, make some smart moves, I guess. It's, it's felt different since, I mean, I don't know how much they've changed their, their scouting staff or whatever, but Lesney is still there and he's still running that side of the of the business. They feel they feel at least the last year and a half, two years, like a little more focused sure. on that. Like, right, this is where our goal and this is what we're gonna do, we're gonna make it. Whereas, you know, you mentioned before, Joe, you know, a couple of years ago they drafted a running back and eighty seven offensive linemen. It was just like let's just throw shit at the board and see if yeah. something sticks. Uh they seem like they have a plan now and that they're they're rolling with it. And right or wrong, you, you know, so far it's been right. But he and McVeigh have kind of have kind of worked in the coaches, and I'm I'm cool. I'm like I like the, what they're doing. I'm interested. This is a good off season because I'm really interested to see what they're doing because I don't think they're going to do I I don't think they're going to do what they did last year where they're just going for they they might but they're just going for it right and left. I think they're going to have they realize they need to start accumulating talent for down the road. So it's it should be a fun off season. By and large, for the most part, it's scouting. Front offices aren't, you know, made and 
and, and killed off by individual scouts. It's more about the processes and the system. The system, for the most part, is the same, and that's because less needs still the general manager. And what's going to be interesting is now that the Rams have these high impact, you look at the last couple drafts, especially since Jared Goff, think about the draft picks that they've brought in. Uh, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, Cooper Cup, Joseph Noteboom, Brian. They've been low-impact guys. I mean, it's not to say that Cooper Cup and Gerald Everett haven't been productive guys. No, it's Gerald that Everett. if you think about how important they are to the lifeblood of the system, no offense to you, Robin. I know you love Cooper Cup, but he's still the third wide receiver. <clears> and, <throat> and as important as he is in the offense, if, if you could have Cooper Cup and not have Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks, and I wouldn't, you know, I love Cooper Cup. It wouldn't matter that often. Cooper Cup is why they lost the Super Bowl. Without him, it was lost. If he was there, I guarantee. But they you got to the Super Bowl party. without him, though. With if you had Cooper Cup and didn't have Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods, you wouldn't have gotten there in the first place. You've got to have all of them. They're all they're all important. And, and the key is now, that's the thing with the offensive line. And when you talk about the defense, it's not so much the – we've talked about this with the linebackers. The Rams the Rams got to the Super Bowl with Dante Fowler and Sanson Abuka, Mark Barron, and Corey Littleton. Could they afford to upgrade it? Sure. But they went 13-3. They made it to the Super Bowl. The difference is they're going to have to replace Indomitian Sue. They're going to have to replace LaMarcus Joyner. They're looking at a future without a keep to lead, maybe without Marcus Peters. They've got more talent that they're going to have to amass. Mar- Michael Brockers might be going this year, if not next year. That, this Mark is where, Barron. The Mark Barron. Poor Littleton's that, a this restricted free agent. This is where you need to start making those kind of decisions that are of more, more impact, not more value necessarily than Cooper Cup or Gerald Everett, but more impact than those guys because they're going to be front and center. Totally. Without a doubt. I, I agree 100% too. with all of that. I'm in. Let's do this. We look at their offense. I mean, their offense is set except for the f- three of the five guys up front, right? right? They're set at wide receiver. We think they're set at running back. They're set at quarterback. They're set at tight end uh, for the foreseeable future. These guys will become free agents sooner or later. But – you know, there's three guys. I mean, so it's. I think this is a, you know, a defensive heavy draft. I mean, they've got no problem if they if they like this in him, then they and they can resign Saffold. Then they're looking at one offensive lineman, maybe. Uh, so uh, this could be a big defensive draft. Now, with that said, they'll go out and draft a quarterback, a tight end, another running <laughs> <Right>. back. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the next Sam Rogers? Mm-hmm. Oh, what's the kid out of Pitt? He was a good. Bit. See now you got me talking college prospects. I don't want to make you guys do that yet. Um, before we get before we get to prospects, Taylor Rapp, old Taylor, okay. Taylor Rapp from Washington, that'd be a great pick. Um, we, we, here's the setup: we've got a first round pick. We don't have a second round pick because of the Marcus Peters trade. As of right now, and this is screwing up our mock drafts, Robbo, and I'm very salty about it. We, we're on the hook for our third round pick to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars from the Dante Fowler trade. But once we get our compensatory picks. We get those we'll keep, three, we'll, two. We'll keep our original pick. The highest compensatory pick in the third round will go to the Jaguars. And assuming we get two compensatory picks for Sammy Watkins or Tremaine Johnson, which we should, we'll keep the latter one. So we should have a first, two-thirds, fourth, fifth, sixth, seven, all the way through. Uh, if we trade back from the first, that would stockpile some more. We're going to have a lot of rookies coming in. Is is there anything that you guys have seen in terms of positions or prospects or names or anything? I know I know I watch college football, so I'm from this weird bias side of paying too much attention. On the other side, is there anything that has piqued your interest going in? Joey, you have anything that's no piquing your interest? Besides Are Iowa still... offensive linemen. Who's the most corn fed offensive lineman, Joey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, think think it's, I think it's brother. Einstein. I mean, yeah, I 
I don't have anybody that's that's on my list right now. I think I haven't really sunk into the draft world just yet. So I think I need to, you know, read up and really sort of, you know, study the tape and 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 I feel like a drug yep. dealer. Yeah. I feel like come on in come on in, Joey. What's that? You like you like Rob Havenstein? Can I interest you in some Wisconsin Badgers? Look, I got this. I got a I got a Michael Dieter coming in at left guard. I got Bo Benschwazel. What do you, what do you think? Well, how crazy do you want to get? Yeah, I know you you need to be at work on Monday. Do you need a David Edwards? I don't. I, don't go all in on uh, by yourself. You need to have some friends around. What about like a Mac Wilson? Slow down. Slow down. Let's take it. Let's take it one day at a time. You you guys are pushing too hard. Just, just, just let me go at my own pace, okay? I'm just I'm not ready for all of the prospect talk. Did you guys see the fun pictures of DK Metcalf? DK Metcalf is a wide receiver from Ole Miss. Did you guys see the pictures? Is that is that legit? Is that a real picture? Uh, I assume so. Joey, did you see this? No, I have not. So DK Metcalf is oh a God. uh large human being who works out a lot <laughs> and pictures of him started to make the rounds on the Twitters and the internets today. Uh, yes, that's a real picture. He ate Kayvon Austin for a snack. He did, and that's not a wide receiver. That's a that's a tight end. That's an inline blocking so, tight end. Well, body. here's the question: Is how much do we care about physique as a part of football? Because I, I can don't. he play? You, you know you know why I can't play? You ever seen Jared Goff with a t with a shirt off? I haven't. You know what he, you know what that man's body looks like? He looks like a bowl of porridge. <laughs> Jared Goff with his with his t-shirt off looks like a guy who scores three points in the Super Bowl. <laughs> if you if you if you took off Rob Havenstein's shirt, do you think he's is do you think his the front of his chest Please is don't. made out of donuts? It might it might be. He's just like the Michelin man. Oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know you know who cares about physique? Aaron Aaron Donald, six pack, defensive tackle. CJ Anderson's chest looks like a bowl of spaghetti. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't care what they look like as long as they play. If you can play, it doesn't matter. So that, that, you could there there are plenty of 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 4% body fat guys out of the playing the AF, AAF right now, right? Look at I'm sure there's some great physiques in in the uh, Alliance of American Football. Credit to Ole Miss. They got their guys jacked. They're looking good. Uh this ain't a bodybuilding contest. This is football. Um that that being said, we're gonna start seeing names. There's there's no names from the mock drafts. I know Robbo, you love a mock draft, Joey. I'm assuming you're a little bit more amenable to the mock drafts. Have you seen any names that you guys, uh, Robbo, that you're interested in? Uh, that I'm interested in. Any anything that you've seen uh, that has made you say, "Oh, I'm not gonna hate this mock draft for the next three seconds" because I'm interested in this name. I'll hate them all, <laughs> but. No, there's not. There's not a single mock draft that's going to make me go. Right. Yeah, that guy's good. I, I hope I, I. I like him. Um, Mac Wilson, sure. linebacker. Sure. You like you like Mac? Who doesn't Do like, you like Alabama uh, linebackers? Everybody likes Alabama. How about you like Cody Ford, Oklahoma sure. offensive tackle? Sure, that offensive line was great. I, I think my fa- my favorite name my favorite name so far is Greedy Williams. All greedy from LSU. He's a phenomenal cornerback. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Draymond Jones. That's a that's a football name right there. Ohio State defensive lineman. That's a lot of power. I don't know, man. That's a that's a lot of football. Okay, here's, here's, here's the, the only here's problem. Is... Nasir Adderley. 
Here's what I think we what should draft Joe. Joe is I think if we can get the kid from Old Miss, Greg Little. DK Mecca? Oh, sure. <laughs> Greg Little. <laughs> <laughs> here's, the, here's the problem with the Rams is because we have the first round pick and no second round, by the time we get to the third, many teams will have drafted. The Oakland Raiders have three first round picks. Most teams will have had multiple chances to upgrade their team. And in much like recent years, when we had golf in the first and didn't pick again until Tyler Higby in the fourth last year, where we didn't even pick till the third round, we're just not going to get a ton of premium talents, which makes it difficult because the pressure is going to be on. Assuming we don't trade back. Even if we do trade back, you're only expanding that a little bit. You've got to hit on these guys. It's it's not like when we had the RG3 trade and it was like, what's that? We missed on Greg Robinson. Who cares? We got Aaron Donald. Oh, we got Tavon Austin and Alec Ogletree. They'll balance each other out. There's no balance here. You get one pick in what, the first 86 picks? Yeah, that, that's a ton of pressure to make sure we nail it. Um, and, and and maybe that's the transition, Robbo, into your favorite topic you can't, of the week. You're right. You can't even Gerald Everett, right? You can't. Gerald's there's a nice there's, guy. He's, but he's not impact. There's no, there's no room for that. Hit. You got to hit. And so, what makes that interesting is you've got all this opportunity to get into the value of day three picks and UDFAs, and it, love those guys. You get Austin Blythe. You get Rodney McLeod. You get a chance to coach them up. But now there's this new breeding ground that's, I don't know if it's going to be competitive with college. I do, I don't know how this is going to work. It's the AAF, Robbo. It's the Alliance of American Football. If for, for people that somehow didn't see this this weekend and have no idea what we're talking about, that listen to our podcast and only watch Disney movies in your man cave, um, the AAF is this new football league, a professional football league of players that have not uh, made it work in the NFL. And so you've got a lot, you got a lot of former Rams players, guys like Luis Perez, the quarterback, Nelson Spruce, Zach Stacy, yep, many others that uh, are, are trying to get their professional football careers uh, maintained in a way that's going to get them back to the NFL, obviously is the goal. The problem was because it was on national television, a lot of people were putting this up as a foil against the NFL. And that's not at all what this is. This is a, is a competitive minor league against college football. And this is something new that I honestly don't have a good feel of how it's going to work. Is it even against college football? Because it's it's against spring not, college not football. Not the topic. Yeah, not the best. Of, not when you talk about Clemson, Alabama playing in the national championship. That's a, that's a league above what the AAF yeah. is talent yeah, yeah. wise. Gotcha. The difference is, you know, you've got the the things we talked about is is that there's an opportunity for guys who aren't that good, guys who aren't Clemson, Alabama five star, four star recruits that have great careers that start thinking about, you know, first round, second round, third round picks as soon as they get to schools. This is guys that didn't make it in the NFL that need time to play. This is Austin Blythe that 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 instead of sitting a year with the Colts could have used a season to actually play. This is, you know, your 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 back end of the roster guys, the guys that are inactive, the seven man inactives every week, right? that don't get a yeah. chance to play that get that could use the time to get better that may get better playing football than they do practicing football in the NFL for you know we, I'm old so I I'm going to go all prof here but this is this is the World League of American Football or NFL Europe 
back then when they had the Amsterdam, Amsterdam Admirals right. and Barcelona Dragons and Berlin Thunder. And then you had the, Amer- the North American teams as well, like San Antonio Rough Riders. Or, you had all these teams and um, Rough Riders, I guess, was USFL. But you just had you had another league. It was sponsored by the NFL. It's just for this. Hey, if you think you can still play, you'll find a team that sponsors you. You go play over there with NFL coaches or former coaches who are still like, you know, they're still part of the game and you can develop talent and some good players came out. There's Hall of Famer who played for the Rams, came out of the NFL Europe, uh, Kurt Warner. So I get, I mean, that's, that's, it's a developmental league. It's NBA D league. It's, it's triple A, double A baseball. It's, it's, you know, what? that's the difference. Develop some talent and see if you, all these guys that you're seeing play right now, 99% of them you're not going to see play on Sunday in the fall. Sure. But there sure. might be a couple here or there who get it, and that's what it's there for is developing talent. Let these late bloomers, small school guys who didn't really get a shot, let them go play at a competitive level and you know get an invite to camp. And if they can make the one to a roster, I think you mentioned these are these are guys are they'll be fighting with UDFAs. I mean, it's not like sure. you're not going to be taking Todd Gurley's spot because you, you won the rushing title not. in the AAF. No. Yeah. So – be excited because you get get to keep watching football in the spring if that's your thing, uh, but it's 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 not it's not good football. Yeah, it could be entertaining as far as the product itself. It's just it's just a thing to kind of see if you can find one or two nuggets and bring them into the league and and maybe give them a shot. The the thing I think is different is the, the world league was almost this gimmick, and and you combined guys like a Kurt Warner with random European football prospects and this mishmash of stuff that was both well, serious and silly and desperate. And they were trying to grow the game in Europe, right? In Europe. Exactly. It was, it was very yeah. gimmicky. This is yeah. much more professional where you've got, you've got NFL, uh, former NFL coaches. You've got f- sincere former NFL players where yeah. th- this almost feels the same sincerity that you treat the NBA D league and triple a baseball with. To, to instead of saying that nobody to the degree that minor league baseball is gimmicky, it is because it has to, you know, sell tickets and whatnot. But, but just like the D league and AAA baseball TV is not a component of that. That's necessarily all that important. What's important is yes, you've got to remain viable in those markets, whether it's whatever cities are in the AAF San Antonio and Orlando and whomever else. Atlanta, Birmingham, Memphis, yeah. Orlando, Salt Lake, Birmingham, Memphis. You've got you can sell the product in those markets, but the biggest yep. thing is to make it viable to coaches and GMs in the NFL who who when they are building out ninety man rosters. Think about what happens every year. We go through the draft, we go through the UDF, UDFA period, and we get up to 87, 88, maybe even ninety guys. And something happens in you know mid May, early June. And somebody gets removed from the team, and you're you're looking at the roster, saying, "Okay, who we've we've got an empty roster spot. Where are we weakest in our depth that we can bring somebody in?" And, and you can say, you know, "Look at the Rams with quarterback. You got Jared sure. Goff at the top. Jared Goff's Jared Goff. He's got it locked in. Who is backing? Who is on this quarterback depth chart? Christian Hackenberg. Who the hell knows, right? That <laughs> right, yeah. that's where the AAF can be instrumental. Not because it brings you a guy that's ready made to be the backup, but because if the, if the Rams go into this offseason and get a random free agent as a potential backup, they draft somebody in the fifth round as a backup, and they can get Luis Perez from the AAF to come in and evaluate those three guys as a potential backup. 
maybe Luis Perez's time in the AAF has helped him blossom as a player and makes him better for training camp. He may not win the backup job. He might win the third quarterback job, which he couldn't this year against Sean Mannion and Brandon Allen. That might be where the AAF makes its mark. It's not that it's going to supplant, you know, starting player. I saw a lot of bad, bad, bad takes. I'm sure you did do it. People were were hyped about it. And the other thing that's going to help develop more NFL coaches. You'll get guys who get – Twice as many coaching opportunities. The, young guy. the next, the, yeah, the next Sean McVay. It could Sean McVay, definitely be. Don't forget a, when he, when Gruden was fired. Where did he go? Right. He went with Jay. Tampa and what was the, the league? Whatever it was. It was like a was it a Reno? It was it wasn't even a Reno league, right? It was a lower than that. What was, was that? Disney, what was, was that league? The Disney Football League, the DFL. Yeah. So, no, it was but, the uh, Florida Tuskers in the um. U, what was it called? The UFL. 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 Right. So you're gonna get. Some extra coaches who will get guys who will get a shot to come back and earn a spot on an NFL roster and, and grow their careers. It's it's you know as as a competitive thing and to give people more chances to do what they want to do in life. Uh, I'm all for it. For the entertainment value, me wanting to watch it, no. As I told someone, someone said, you know, you, you can see some former Rams out there. I'm like, you know what? You know where I'm going to see see some former Rams in Irvine in August. That's where I'll see the next former Rams. That's that's kind of my thing. Um, because it, it, like, as you mentioned, there were some, there were some hot was, takes about this. The, it was the hype of the opening weekend of a league of football and the nostalgia of, you know, Nelson Spruce when people, yeah, yeah. For, for whatever reason, people love Nelson Spruce. <laughs> love they, Spruce. It, they love Nelson Spruce. And the, Is the he value in San Diego? Of, Is he playing for Mike Martz? Please say yes. I don't know. I Do think so. Know? I think so. Yeah, I'm not even I, sure. I don't. I'm th- one thing that got made clear real quick. I did not know nearly as much about the AAF as a lot of other people. I was way behind clearly them. Joey the jerk knows knows more than both of us put together. Yeah, he he did. The he sure did. I yeah. couldn't have told you two of them. Um, but uh, you know, no the idea. bottom the bottom line is that's because if. If you're if you're asking me to know all the teams in the AAF, you might as well be asking me to know the draft prospects from the Mountain West or from the MAC, right? Come on, it's, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! You know those. That's, I that's do. Good. Shut up. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> pick pick something that you actually don't know. <laughs> that's what the Let's AAF. Let's go back to Disney movies. <laughs> Disney football league. That's the difference. Is that what? That's what the AF is. I'm excited for it. I hope it succeeds. I hope. Like AAA baseball, like the NBA D League, like these minor league hockey leagues, that it is sustainable and is able to, you know, for the especially for those communities too, that they get a chance to, whether it's Birmingham or Orlando, that they get football teams sure. that, that they yeah. can celebrate, you know, just like uh, AAA baseball. When you get a prospect that's able to come through those teams and make it to the NFL and make it long term, that could be your exciting. Guy. Yeah, yeah, I think that could be great. Um, what, what kind of sex toys can you make out of vibranium? <laughs> you can make a big fucking arm. That's blue <laughs> shit. <laughs> Wakandan sex toys. You got to put the arms in front of a, uh, the X in front of you. Orgasms forever. 